Comedy LOL Podcast Network. Quote today is kill one man and you are a murderer. Kill millions of men and you are a conqueror. Kill them all and you are a god. This and reminds me. Oh, sorry, that's my Gene Ross fan. <laughs> so this just reminds me of a conversation I was having. I guess you could call it a theological conversation um, the other day about um, the idea behind like the death penalty and whether or not like the eye for an eye type of mentality is even relevant in today's society. And I was saying something along those same lines of like, you know, if you've killed one person, everyone thinks you're this monster. But the reality is so many people have killed so many other people in the name of religion or war um, or just because they were told to and, and not in any way, shape or form my discounting our armed forces, but I think that there's a, a sense of, of brainwashing there in terms of buying in, right? Drinking the Kool-Aid and kind of making excuses for these acts or atrocities that could potentially be committed all in this name of like, well, I'm doing this for my country. And I love that it didn't end there in terms of a conqueror and it went even further than that because I think there are definitely throughout history people who have wanted to not just be conquerors but who imagine themselves as gods in terms of their ability to overtake all of these different um, other tribes or countries or lands or people. Yeah, I love what you said there, especially about the military because <laughs> – for those of you who don't know, I was in the Marine Corps, and I definitely agree with you because I'm a giant fan of history. And going back now, I can't really – it's hard for me to justify any war America has been in since the War of 1812, to be honest with you. And I know mm-hmm. people are going to be like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? You didn't want to stop the Nazis? Well, I mean, we've talked about before how World War II was a direct result of World War One. And if you study how World War One started, it's, you know, there's really no justifications there either. So it's, um, it's pretty brutal. But the reason I like this quote is because it is all about perspective, really. You know, it's, you kill one man, like you said, you were talking about, and you're a murderer, and you kill millions, and people look at you like you're Genghis Khan, or this figure that later on in history, you just become known as somebody who change the world, move things around, made the way the place it is today, so you're accepted. But back then, you know, especially if you're talking about Genghis Khan, that guy was just murdering everybody, millions of people. Mm-hmm. So if you were one of those people, or related to one of those people, or if you were in one of those towns that he came upon, he wouldn't have been such a great positive force in history for you. <laughs> yeah. But even if we want to bring it more like present day, um, think of the movie American Sniper, right, with Bradley Cooper that was directed by Clint Eastwood. This idealized this man who was killing people in the name of, you know, freedom or democracy, whatever you want to call it. Right. I'm using those terms loosely here in quotes. But it idealized him in the sense of made it seem like he was this hero. But the reality is, and this is my own personal belief, like we had no business doing that. Who are we to say there's that sense of like entitlement of being gods? Like we need to spread this. 
And I mean, that goes back hundreds of years. Like it's our job to be the protector of democracy. It's like says who? (laughs) Yeah. We're not even, we're not even a democracy. Honestly, we're not, we're a Republic, Republic, (laughs) sorry. We're constitutional Republic. Um, so I, I understand what you're saying. And then it's funny because we talk about a lot of this in the individual level. But if you think about it on a whole country level, if you take the United States, I'm always talking about if you want to make other people better, help other people that you need to work on yourself first. So if you look mm-hmm. at the United States out there trying to save the world, change the world, make the world safer democracy, you know, um, stop the spread of terrorism, whatever it is that we're doing. All you have to do is look home at, you know, look here and things here aren't right. We, you know, we can't get along here on the home front. We're constantly fighting and arguing. Not that that's not normal. You know, you definitely should have some kind of healthy discourse, but we can't even get along. We don't even have people. Most of the people in this country don't vote and we're trying to go to other countries and make them want to vote. So to me, that's really where I think we should start. We should start here. We should focus on ourselves um, before we try to save the world, we should at least get an idea of what we're doing here. <laughs> you know? And I mean, to again, go macro micro here. I feel like again, and I'm not making it seem like anti-patriotic, but there's this facade of spreading our ideals and protecting the freedom of the individual. But when it comes down to it, in my own personal beliefs, there's this, this air of imperialism and which was one of the direct causes of world war one. You know, there was like this grasp for land, this idea of trying to overtake and have as many different lands underneath one country as possible just to have like all of these different allies. Um, And I think that in a micro level, just on the own personal front, your own personal front, you're right. You need to work on yourself just like how a country should be, you know, before you go and try to overtake somebody make sure you have all your, your, you know, your ducks in order, all your shit together. Um, but I think that's often how people act as well in terms of it's easier to try to fix someone else as opposed to trying to fix yourself. Yeah. I don't think I'm not against helping other people. I just think that, um, especially what you said about the wars and what really happens, it's not what you, it's not what we're told to be honest. You know, there, there's just things that are happening. People, so many civilians are getting killed. Um, it's just all you have to do is look at it for a few minutes and really study this stuff or the reasons why we're in some of these wars. If you think about like Afghanistan or Iraq, we have troops in Syria, we have troops in Northern Africa, <laughs> you know, what I mean? we have troops all over, all over the globe. And it really seems like, I don't know if it's like we're marching toward a war right now, especially with what's going on with Iran. And I know we're getting way off subject with our podcast right here, but um, (laughs) this is just something that I guess people need to be aware of. It's like, you know, you can't always pay attention to what's going on on the news because you have to remember that the news is paid for by a source and there's a reason they want you to know this information that's going on. Like you really have to kind of, um, when you're getting information about what's going on in the world, you really have to be objective and you have to do research for yourself. You can't rely on Google or Facebook or any of these people because you have to remember where their money and their sponsors are coming from. Um, I'm, I'm like really fired up about this because I just listened to this whole podcast about uh, I think it was a lot of the tech giants and what the ideas where they want to go and where the government wants to go with it. So it was kind of scary. And uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But to bring us back to what you were saying initially, again, not saying that we shouldn't be helping other people either in a, 
in other countries or, you know, on an individual level. But I always go back to, you know, on an airplane, the instructions are always put your own mask on before assisting others, you know, not saying you shouldn't be assisting others, but you know, you got to put your own on because otherwise how many are you going to be able to help? You're going to be suffocating or. Yeah, exactly. And the last thing I just want to touch on is that it's, it's really all about fear. If you are afraid or if you're, if you're doing anything out of fear, that means you're not doing it out of love. So you just have to be aware of that. So many people I've seen it happen because I'm a little older. So I saw like I was in the Marine Corps before 9-11 and then 9-11 happened. And then I saw how the country changed. And if I get if there's any takeaway for anyone who's listened to this, it's fear. Don't be afraid. You know, it's the fear. They use the fear, whoever it is. All these conquerors, like we talked about in the quote or kings. That's kind of why I was talking about it for this or whoever it is. They use that fear, even a lot of religions. So you can tie a part of God in with this, their idea of God. They use fear. You're going to go to hell if you don't listen. If you don't do what you're supposed to, you're going to go to hell. You know, if we don't go attack Iraq or Afghanistan, the terrorists are going to come here and get us. So you, you just have to be conscious of that and what kind of motivations um, or what's motivating our actual action, especially when it comes to any kind of military action. All right, let's get into it. So, yes, uh, as we digress from our political discourse, um, we're going to jump into what we're doing today. And today we're looking at the King of Swords card. Um, So we're going to look and see all the different symbols and and images that we see in there. We're going to look at the Prince of Swords. And then we're going to talk about the number four and look at the fours in our minor arcana. So let's get into it here. Um, As we normally do in the podcast, I'll give a brief description of the King of Swords card. Again, if you really want to see what it really looks like, you can always check out our Instagram at Terrible2, T-A-R-O-T-B-U-L-L and the number two, um, because sometimes I feel like my descriptions in my head make sense. And when I'm looking at the card and talking about it, I'm like, yeah, exactly. And then later on, I feel like I missed something or it's hard to understand or follow me. Okay, so. King of Swords. It's a court card, obviously. We have another appearance of a person here. This king is sitting on, it looks like some kind of stone throne. Um, and there's some symbols kind of etched into the back of it. It's a very narrow, skinny kind of throne. In the background, you've got this light blue sky and some um, a couple of like gray clouds. And the king figure itself is wearing this blue tunic, has a looks like a kind of reddish cape on, has um, a head headdress covering that's also red, gold crown, holding the sword in the right hand, and it's pointed straight up towards the sky. And his left hand is resting on his leg. His feet are uh, placed on the ground. It almost looks like they're crossed. And you can see that they're, he's sitting on what looks like a combination of red and uh, orange and yellow ground. Um, and then you see a couple trees, one on the left-hand side of the card and then a few more on the right-hand side of the card. Again, check it out when you look at it on our Instagram. You'll be able to see exactly what we're talking about. Okay, initial thoughts here on the King of Swords. What did you think when you saw this? This is like a typical, typically what I think of when I think of a king. <clears throat> He's sitting there very comfortable. He's got that sword, which is the suit that he represents. He's holding it in his right hand upright. He's presenting it to everybody, and um, we've always talked about seated figures and how that just means that they're really comfortable with their power. 
So this mm-hmm. person is definitely comfortable with his power. Now, I love the fact that he's out in nature because a lot of times when you think of swords, you don't really think of earthly. Uh, you don't. You think of more like a stone, like his his um not his crown his throne that's the word i was looking for mm-hmm. you think more of, when you when you think of um stone i'm sorry when you think of swords you think more of stones just like his his throne there so the mm-hmm. fact that they put the earth in there i love that because it's like he's rising up out of the earth he's still his foundation is in that in that earth and he's strongly anchored to it you know my initial thoughts looking at this i agree with you about feeling it's like very kingly it's very regal um but kind of like this ruler of all because his his actual physical presence is so much bigger than everything else in the picture. It's bigger than the cloud It's bigger than the trees. So it's kind of like ruler of all kind of overseer of all. And it's like, you know, you know, I know that there's a saying the pen is mightier than the sword, but in this case, it doesn't look like this. It looks like there's this justice and kind of fear going back to what we were talking about earlier in the way that he's able to kind of rule over everything. So with that, let's go then into um, the different parts of the card. I want to start off by talking about his his outfit. Duh. I've got that feels so that feels so sexist to be like, I'm a girl. We're like, let's talk about his outfit. Um, God, (laughs) I'm just just, really playing into these these (laughs) (laughs) these gender norms here. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Do you think if he had three arms, he'd be wearing a three-nick instead of a two-nick? <laughs> All right. All right. No, you go ahead. What did you think of his clothes? Um, The light blue of the tunic uh, threw me a little bit. and um, But I love that there's this balance between the light blue that's underneath and kind of a little bit more for me of like that purity and then the harshness of the cape. It kind of showed like there's a balance there um, in terms of you know, ruling over the the land that he is ruling over. Because um, for me, again, red is always symbolic of uh, not necessarily anger or wrath, but something that's a little bit more, um, for me, it's a little bit more negative and it gives a little bit more of a stronger impression, whereas there's that calm, cool, light blue underneath. Um, but I love that you're able to see more of it because I think that the impression of the sword gives this idea of, um, like ruling by the sword and being a little bit harsher, but it almost softens it by seeing the color underneath. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like how he has the purple on the outside because the purple is really the color of royalty. So it, mm-hmm. it just it looks like um he he looks like he's like an emperor or whatever with that. He's very regal. And and then the blue and the red, it's it's nice because the blue and the red together make the purple that are on the outside. So you can look at whatever the blue says to you, whatever the red says to you, and you have to imagine that mixture. It's like a balance for him to be this mm-hmm. king. But then again, he also has that red hood. So what does that mean to you? Um, It's almost like the covering of sense. Like if I want to think about... um. It's covering his head, right? So obviously where his brain is, and it's covering maybe over the emotional part of that, like kind of ruling by logic and erring more on the side of, I don't even want to say violence. I I, I don't mean violence. I, I'm, I'm grasping here for a word that I can't think of, um, but definitely not ruling by heart, ruling by head and being more logical in, in decisions. Yeah. Like Wise that. maybe. Yeah. You can even, you can even maybe think of it instead of violence. You could just think of force. 
Yes. Force is mm-hmm. like the, the energy. It could be positive or negative. Do so you think of the positive expression of force would be self-defense? Mm-hmm. And then the negative is violence. And then I love that his crown, just moving on here, the crown that he's wearing is very, um, it looks very simplistic to me, just kind of placed on top of there. It's not very ornate. And again, it, for me, it just shows like a lack of needing to have that superficiality of the world or this ornate kind of display of power. It's just understood. Yeah, I know like how there's five tiers or five points to the crown. Kind of reminds me of the Hierophant. So it's that same balance of energy together. Mm-hmm. Five. Absolutely. All right, let's look at his throne. What do you think of his throne? Well, I there's a couple of things I wanted to point out. First of all, it looks like it could actually be a tower because we don't see the yes. top of it. So mm-hmm. it really it reminds me of like an obelisk. So he could be sitting next to the obelisk, like the the Washington Monument or something like that. And then also we see the butterflies and the crescent moons. And I love the butterflies because it symbolizes that transformation. You think of the caterpillar, he crawls around and then he builds a cocoon and then he turns into the butterfly. So it just, mm-hmm. to me, it symbolizes that um, mastery that the king represents in the suit. So that mastery of swords and whatever that would mean to the to you or the person. I, and just maybe a different perspective here, maybe perhaps the metamorphosis, metamorphosis is a, an example or a representation of his own professional growth into this ruler starting as a kid. And who knows? I mean, obviously we don't have a backstory here. I'm not writing like a fan fiction we need but, an origin <laughs> story on this King, but let's say, you know, he came from nothing, you know, and eventually it, it reminds me in my head now of the story of Napoleon came from nothing and was able to rise up through the ranks through yeah. force. I'm literally I'm making this whole story up here, but I'm like thinking about, you know, then you go through this transformation in terms of when it's in a cocoon or a chrysalis, you have them kind of, at the height of their military prowess. And then when they emerge as the butterfly, it's like the end stage, which is the ruling stage. But what do I know? (laughs) The the thing I always never understood about Napoleon is like the first time after they, whoever defeated him or whatever, they put him on this island. Then they're like, oh, he'll be fine. We'll just keep him on his island. Like, no, he came back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He got an army again. It's like, you can't stop this guy. It's insane. I wonder how things really worked, though, back then, because I'm sure, you know, you probably had to get an in with the Pope or something. You know, there's so much that we don't really hear about that happened probably behind the scenes, just like today, you know? Oh, 100 percent. And not to digress completely, but I love Napoleon so much. He's definitely one of the regardless of if you want to think he was a military genius or conqueror or dictator or whatever. His story is just incredibly brilliant in terms of what he was able to accomplish, rising up from Corsica to, you know, crowning himself literally as emperor. It's too bad he had to go to go after Russia. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, I mean, hopefully then we've all learned from that, which we clearly haven't. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right. I think the so, ambition blinds people. I think that's what it is, you know, the hubris and the ambition of, of anybody. And I, I it, that's great because, you know, people, all they want to do is, like, demonize um, these leaders and think they're all evil. But, okay, they could have been. You think of Hitler, yeah, pure evil. But you could still learn from his fucking example, from the mistakes he made because of the, the his... Uh, I guess hubris or, you know, he just thought he was better than everybody and he, whatever it was, I don't know, but you can also learn from that. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, you should want to try to control a country and kill a bunch of people. You know, that's probably the, 
best example of Sasuke. <laughs> so I'm um, looking back bringing us back to the car here. I love that you pointed out the crescent moons because it looks like a waning crescent and a waxing crescent, which would be right at the beginning and end stages of the cycle of the moon, right? The only stage that you have in between those two is the new moon, which would be a lack of anything. Um, so it kind of shows again for me that stages like that life cycle, a cyclical nature of power um, of the beginning and the end, bringing me back to what I was saying earlier about the butterfly and the cyclical nature of that life cycle. I do a lot of work with life cycles at my job, so I'm very familiar. Um, and I love that, and I'm looking at the card, that it is so narrow, the throne is so narrow, because I feel like if the throne was bigger, it would give this illusion of almost like this tiny man sitting on a throne. I have to tell you, oh my gosh, I have to show you this picture. I'll send it to you later. Um, I went to the Mission Inn this past weekend, which is one of the missions in California. And it's also a historic hotel, absolutely gorgeous if you've never been there. But they have um, William Taft's chair. And if you know anything about William Taft, he was like incredibly large, got stuck in a bathtub. And so when you sit in the chair, it's like you're this tiny little person in this huge chair. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, it's not because I wanted to share what I was going through this past weekend and what I was doing, but if I think if the throne was bigger, it would have made him seem, the king seem more insignificant. And by the throne being so narrow, it gives this illusion of, of like grandiosity and how large he is, like this larger than life persona. And that gives that air of authority and power. Yeah. And you could actually translate that to the entire card, because like you said before, he's much bigger than everything. And you see the trees in the background that are really small. So it's either those trees are farther away or mm -hmm. he's this giant king that reaches up into the sky. You know, maybe this is like that tower of Babel that reaches up into the sky. That's going to try to equal God, um, something like that. So that, that could be a negative aspect. If you're looking at this card, you have to remember that um, even if you don't believe in God, if you just think of, because in this country, unfortunately the word God has so many connotations and, when someone says it, you might as well just say the C word or like the N word or whatever, all these term words, you know, people, oh, they just have these reactions. And it's just because of the culture and, you know, how everyone was brought up and what we were taught. But you don't have to think of God in that way. You can just think of it as the force that created this universe or that, um, like Mother Nature, just the, uh, the force of creation, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. So... If you think you can rival that, good luck. You're going to have, you know, you're going to be like Hitler or Napoleon or these guys. You're going to think you can, you're indestructible and then you're not going to be. I mean, it's, you're going to fall. You're going to have a, you're going to have a bad time, as they would say. But I think that a lot of times there is this um, illusion of these leaders as being gods. And not only by maybe then the people, I think, think of if we're going back to ancient Egypt, right? All of the pharaohs thought that they were God incarnate. And that kind of gave them that ruling possibility because no one else could rule. No one else was a god. They were the gods. You know, Cleopatra thought she was Isis reincarnated. And I think that when you have this ability to overtake and rule over people, not only do you have that own personal like identification of like, I'm a god. I think of Henry VIII. He thought he was like better than the pope. Like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to start my own religion here because no one's going to tell me I'm not going to do this. So it's like that absolute power corrupts absolutely idea. 
And if you look at that, I, there's so much I could say to that, which is great, everything you said there. But <laughs> what I want to say first is that this is how we're taught to look at it in history. We're taught to look at it as Henry VIII just wanted to start his own religion because his beliefs and, you know, he wanted to get divorced or whatever. But if you look at it from the other way, if you look at religion as a system of control, the way it came out of Rome, and then you have the Roman Catholics, all Henry VIII wanted was more control of his people. He wanted to be that pharaoh. He wanted to be the Mm -hmm. person who was your king and your god. That's really what he was going for. And we get this silly story about a divorce, but if you think about it, that's what he was really doing. And that's what they all did, even Charlemagne. Charlemagne said he was the... the, um, the god king like he was the next not pharaoh what's the the caesar basically which was the same kind of title loosely translated and that that even goes to the kaiser of germany so that's this um idea and it's just all about controls because if you can control people's thoughts and emotions and that's what it's about the religion you can control their thoughts and emotions and then with the government you're basically controlling their body uh so you have them all under control and that's that's the real important uh, in this country, we have the split of you have the government and religion. You have the different splits, so it's 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 a lot better, I guess. But it, it's funny because if you look back in time, because I'm into the the Civil War right now, I'm like super into it. A lot of these churches actually backed either Lincoln or Jefferson Davis in the South. They were like behind them, especially the evangelical ones, the ones that were getting hyped up, and they were getting these people really hyped up to go to war. And some of the sermons were like calling for blood and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And you, and you think back and you, you're like, do you think this was just a coincidence that they were doing that? Or do you think maybe it's possible they might have been working together? Who knows? You know, these people want power. They want money. You know, And it's really scary to think about that. So that's why I think it's better these days that there's a lot more of a divide. And you should also be very conscious of that. You know, you got to conscious of all this stuff to be... Not I feel easily, like I guess taking control, you know. If we have any listeners left, right? we've gone on this political discourse. <laughs> but it's not really. I don't think it's political. It's more about just like freedom and rights, you know. I'm like, I'm. We're not here like talking about like Republicans or Democrats or this or that, you know. We're just talking about individuality and. And what I love is that we constantly bring up the patterns in the cards, but. And then tie that into the patterns of history, because that all is what all history is. It's, you know, the same actions over and over, just different players. Right. Yeah. These so guys are my own personal using, belief. Yeah. And they were probably using tarot cards and astrology. I mean, 100 percent they were. You can look back on that stuff. You know, a lot of these guys had had um, astrologers with them or whatever it was or tarot cards or tarot readers. Yeah. Okay, so I think that I've talked about everything I wanted to talk about in the card. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about in the card? The CIA. No, um, I think we're good. <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about if this came up in a general reading, what would you say? <clears throat> I'd say get in a bunker. Oh, um, <laughs> if this card came up in a, a general reading, this is something that I would tell the person. It's definitely a big card. It's an important card, and you need to look at the aspects in your life that maybe you've changed recently, especially because of the butterflies. Like this is somebody who has gained self-confidence. They know what mm-hmm. they're doing. They're sitting down, they're comfortable and they're ruling and they're presenting their swords to the world 
whatever that is. So say it's if you want to think of it in the word of maybe the sword is like truth. It represents truth. So if you're somebody who wants to like myself, this is what we're doing. We're sitting here talking about this podcast and espousing truths. Um, so this could mean that you're ready to do it and get off your ass and start doing it. What are you doing sitting there? I said that if this came up in a general reading, I would give it um, kind of the interpretation of authority and having the the ruling over your own life and decisions um, without that influx of emotion or um, or or you know sympathy or anything like that. I you know obviously with the court cards we talked about last week, this could be a person in your life. I'm not saying let this person make your decisions, but I think sometimes that could be somebody that you could look to for advice to kind of help guide you on whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, advice is only as good as the person giving it. And just because they give advice based on their life, doesn't mean you have to take it. I think sometimes we know ourselves best and our lives best. So I would just say if this came up in a general reading, be, you know, strong in your convictions and your ideas and really kind of think about taking all emotionality out of it. What exactly, what decision it is that you're making and what you, I think at the end of the day, most of us really know the right answer to some, some of the life's hardest questions. Yeah, it's usually the hardest. <laughs> right, and that's why you ask for advice, because you want somebody to tell you to take the easy way out. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. um, okay, so let's say this comes up in a love reading. What would you say? This could represent, if you are single, it could represent finding that Mr. Right or that that person for you that's going to work because obviously this person has it all figured out. I mean, they're a king. Mm-hmm. So obviously they have a castle. And um, I, I think that there's also that air of um, authority there. So whereas last week we talked about the page, which would be a younger person for me, it'd be like, this might be somebody a little bit older. So don't discount that idea. Somebody is a little bit more established. Yeah, for sure. Or this can I'm sorry, I represent... literally just interrupted you. That was so rude. No, that's fine, because I didn't know what I was saying. So, uh... <laughs> Yo, well, it could also represent another level of the relationship or maybe um, a challenge or a hurdle. If you look at it negatively, something that you might have to overcome. But if you think of the positive aspects of this card, you just have to keep those in mind when you're dealing with these issues. How would it I love what you just, yes. I love what you just said because I didn't even think about this playing into if you were in a relationship, but I think you're absolutely right. It could be a new level in the relationship or it could be kind of this strong united front the two of you are providing like the you, you guys against the world type of situation. And then just going, going back to if you were single, I think it also is going back to what you always say, you know, before looking for another person, make sure that you're strong in your own convictions and who you are and you're set out in your life and the way that you know, if you're looking for somebody to solve your problems, you're never going to find that. Yeah, exactly. Because believe me, I looked. Anyway, um, <laughs> so let's say this comes up in a career reading. What would you say? Why don't you go first with this one? Okay. So I said that if this came up in a career reading, it would be um, a very positive card. Either this is like a mentor at work. Or this could be, um, you know, a position or stance that you've taken at your job, kind of overseeing of a project or overseeing of 
um, a team or overseeing a, a department or anything like that. Um, so I said it was very, very positive. Um, but again, to make sure that, you know, going back to that idea of like absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Like don't take it to the extreme in terms of your stance or your control over a certain thing. Because I think sometimes when you, you know, if you hold something too tight, eventually you're either going to crush it or kill it or something like that. Um, but I said that if this was a job, I would say it would be more of a job in like mediation or maybe like a lawyer, someone or a judge, maybe something in the legal system. Um, obviously it could also be something in the military, but higher up. I don't even know how that goes, but I always liked the word Colonel. So I'm going to use Colonel. Perfect. Yeah. Colonel or general, they're higher up in the officer ranks. Mm -hmm. I would say that it could, if you were somebody who had a position of authority that this card, you can look to for the right way to lead. You know, you think about, like I was saying before in the relationship, how, Think of a king and a righteous king and what he's going to do to take care of his kingdom and his people mm -hmm. and um, just apply that to your your life. You don't want to be this tyrant barking out orders and not listening to anybody and just punishing people who don't listen to you. Um, you know, you want to definitely want to approach it <laughs> in a much better manner. So, yeah, just think of a benevolent king and how he would rule and you could apply that to your job. I guess, mm -hmm. as, a, as some kind of leader. Absolutely. Okay, any hmm. final thoughts here that we have on the King of Swords? I did just want to mention how I like how, where I was saying before, he's coming out of the earth, and he looks mm -hmm. so much larger than everything. So if you look at it, he, he could be, you can use it as he has to have this strong foundation in the world, in the earth, in the ground, to grow up out of um out of that and you can't forget your roots you can't forget where you came from so if you're going to be this leader and you want to look at this and take it internally like we always do on the show you need to have that strong foundation in the world or in an earthly um you know think about what the things that the the pentacles represent and what the earth represents so you have to have that foundation and I just wanted to then piggyback off of that and talk about, so he's coming out of the earth, but I also wanted to talk about his, his stance when he's sitting and it looks at his, like his legs are crossed. And for me, that shows there's a comfortability there of like, I think initially when someone comes into power, there's this idea of perhaps it could be overthrown or they, they need to kind of prove themselves. And I feel like at this point he's proven himself so he can kind of relax and that he has the sword up but he doesn't look like he's right about to use it. He just kind of looks like he's like sitting there hanging out. Like, I know I have control here. Yeah. It's just like on yeah. Or confidence, I guess you could call it. Um, okay. So let's move on. Now we're going to talk about another interpretation mm -hmm. of us, of the card. Um, it's in a different deck. So for this part, normally Brandon is the one that gives the description. And then we just kind of go through our thoughts on what this looks like and what our, what do we think is going on here? All right, everybody, this card is in the Alistair Crowley Thoth deck. It's the Prince of Swords, and it's a very interesting card. It looks like there's some green figure uh, on the top of the card, and he looks like he could be in some kind of chariot holding a sword, and there's two circles behind him that could possibly be his wings like we saw in the Princess of Swords. Mm -hmm. And then under him, there's three other looks like our green figures that have similar kind of wings or whatever uh, circular 
things coming out of their back, and it looks like he has them held on strings, so maybe they're pulling his carriage, but it doesn't look like they're all going in the same direction. Um, so I would just say check it out. It's really amazing. The only other thing I'd say in the center of this chariot vehicle he's on, there's a circle, and inside it looks like there's a cube. Mm-hmm. Maybe two pyramids attached to each other so it's making like a diamond shape with a square in the middle it's really interesting um so you can check it out like we said at our instagram at terrible t-a-r-o-t-b-u-l-l the number two what did you think about this card okay so initially when i looked at it i felt like it was like a rorschach test i was like what is happening here like i really couldn't see anything uh, besides like a green blob. But then I kind of looked a little bit closer um, and I was able to make out all of the different figures. I do agree with you about the chariot and that it looks like it's moving. Um, but if I look at the three figures at the bottom, I can call them that because I feel like I can see appendages. Um, they're moving in all these different directions. And it, for me, this card just shows a lack of control. Right. So if I'm thinking about the Prince of Swords, I would think that if he was driving a chariot, he'd be able to control these different figures that are pulling it. But it looks like since they're going in all these different directions, he has this lack of control and being able to drive it where he wants to go. Kind of like the idea of like being pulled in multiple directions, which a lot of times I think shows a lack of focus on one particular thing. And if you look, he has the sword in his right hand. Um, and it looks like almost like he's about to use it. I don't know, to like cut off one of those strings maybe or to kill one of those figures. But then if you look in his left hand, he has a sickle. And it almost reminds me of death. Um, again, going back to the idea of like trying to rule over people by fear or by killing them. But that sometimes shows just a lack of focus and like foresight to be able to actually rule. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, yeah, I like what you said about how these three little figures at the bottom are going in different directions. But if you look at it, <clears throat> the one in the middle looks like, look at it very closely, looks like they're just kind of laying down. The one on our left does look like they're going forward, and the one on our right looks like they're turning around. Mm-hmm. Or maybe laying down or maybe turning around in defiance. And then if you look up at the main figure, the way he's holding his sword, it looks like he is brandishing it or pulling it out to use it against this one that's kind of turning back at him. So this could symbolize the work we have to do on ourselves, the self-work to get all the forces inside us to go the same way or in the direction that we want, you know, instead of surrendering to impulses all the time and sense pleasure. So that's, I for for me that's what that signifies. It's that work that needs to be done. And in this deck, the prince is technically supposed to be the second card, whereas in the al or sorry the rider weight, usually people would put um the knight next and then the queen then the mm-hmm. king. So that's why the king is more of a regal figure in that deck. And here he's the prince is the second. So it kind of I think it's it's reflective that showing the work that needs to be done to get to the top level and to just go off of that if you look at his particular stance in the chariot it doesn't look comfortable it doesn't look like he has this sense of confidence it looks like he's still struggling and fighting yeah or at least yeah trying to maintain a balance at least so he's still out there he's still out there doing it which i like and but it's not it's nothing bad because he's on the path he has the chariot he has everything going for him 
just you just have and it could also be a reminder too that even if you think you have it all together or it, you do have it together that you're never going to always have it together you always have to work on yourself there's always going to be some aspect of yourself you might have to pull out that sword whatever mm-hmm. it represent it could represent like before truth it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a weapon that he's threatening with this guy with maybe it's something inside him that he's conflicted about so he's pulling out the truth to figure out what he, his real stance is or, or what he should do next or where he should go I love what you said about the lack of balance. And if you're just looking at it and those two um, yellow discs on each side up by his head, it almost seems like it could be like an infinity symbol, but it's tilted or skewed just a little bit to show for me like that lack of balance. If it was a scale, it's like one is tilted a little bit higher than the other. Again, just showing like a lack of control of being able to get it to be balanced. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Balance. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have any final thoughts here on the Prince of Swords? No, I think that's good. Okay, perfect. Um, let's move on. We're going to talk about now our fours. Um, and I would really honestly like to hear from people, or any of the listeners that we have, if they like the idea of us going through all of these numbers. I am particularly intrigued by the interpretation of all of the different numbers and all the minor kind of suits just because I think that there's a connection between them. It helps you to weave that story if you are to do a reading. Um, but I'd like to hear from people if they like it or if they don't. Um, okay. So I'm looking at all four of my, um, minor arcana suits, four of wands, four of swords, four of cups, four of pentacles. Now we've already talked about the four of cups and the four of swords. So you can go back and listen to those episodes. Um, but I will just briefly go through my thoughts on the four of pentacles and the four of wands. Now, the four of swords, four of cups, and four of of wands, no, I'm sorry, four of pentacles, again, each all have one figure. The suit of wands keeps throwing me by having such a different take on the number of people present. Um, If I'm looking at the four of cups, we've already talked about how there's that figure sitting there and there's three cups in front of them. There's this cup coming out from the clouds, kind of like thinking and trying to like maybe process ideas or come up with something. The four of swords, we had the three swords kind of vertically where the person's sitting or laying down. It looks like on a, like they're dead or something on a, um, some kind of tomb and there was a sword underneath, but it's kind of maybe that rest. If I'm looking at the four of pentacles, what I love about this is it's, I feel like for me, such an easy interpretation. It's just materialism and greed. It's like they have these four coins and they're like, nope, they're mine. Each one is, they have one under each foot. They're holding one in both arms, kind of like a little kid holding a basketball when you do like a jump ball. And the other one's like on his, on his head where it's like balancing there. I mean, the background is this city where it's like, he doesn't want to go in the city maybe to spend it, but it's like, nope. I'm going to hold all these right here. And then I'm going back to the four of wands and you have these four wands that are kind of standing vertically. And there's this garland in between them. And it looks almost like a marriage ceremony or something like that. Um, We have these two figures and it looks like they're like raising these flowers for me. The four of wands just doesn't fit again. It seems like definitely more of a positive kind of, interpretation and not saying that the other ones are negative but they skew a little bit more pessimistic for me whereas this one seems very very positive um and i I, you know i'm gonna guess it was a purposeful choice but i'm always just so 
lost in trying to find the connection between the numbers across all four suits because it seems like Juan's always stands out as not fitting in for me. Okay, what were your thoughts? I just did a whole bunch of talking. Yes, you did. No, that's all right. Um, <laughs> I see what you're saying, definitely, with the four. But see, the four of pentacles for me isn't really such a negative card, though, because it it could – it's your interpretation of it is definitely – spot on but you can also interpretate it interpretate it <clears throat> excuse me i can't talk today no the four of pentacles for me could also represent just mastering the world or being part of the world so the way and also the way he's kind of tiptoeing on him and the way he's holding it and he has one on his head it gives the impression that he's leaning forward and he's leaning into you so it's very intense uh-huh. But I, I don't really see the greed. I see it more as mastering this. Because if you think of we're coming up one, two, three. So three is the trinity. The two come together to give birth to the three. And then when you have four, now you have this balance. So it's a foundation. So that's kind of what it represents in the suit. If you think of worldly, anything worldly. So this guy is mastering that. So say it's even his career or his finances. Not that he's a king in the sense that he has it mastered and he's done, but now he just, it's like his first big step to putting it all together. You know, he just put it all down. Maybe he just put some money aside to invest it and he's really excited about it. Or maybe he just um, took some classes to advance his career and now he has a different job where he's in more of a leadership role and he's really taking it seriously. That's why he's holding on so tight. So the way you can relate that back over to the four of wands is the same kind of way. There's this celebration going on and it's the same kind of achievement where it's nothing crazy. Like they didn't build this huge house. There's just this little, um, what do you call it? Like a portugal or, uh, I should know this because I do so many weddings. <laughs> like a pergola? Yeah, like a pergola. There's another word, too, that I'm thinking of, and I, I can't think of right now. But it's it, it's like an arch that you would get married under. So they built this, and it's this new um, step toward whatever it is. So it's the first kind of congratulations or the first kind of um, celebration in that. So, But it's nothing strong. You know, it's just these four wands, and it's outside of the castle walls. So you also have to – you have that same – reflection back because in the pentacles he's also outside of the city so this to me more represents going out on your own so it's the first time you're striking out on your own and you have some kind of accomplishment so that's what they're doing they're, in this one they're celebrating it because maybe it's a venture between more than one person or it could also have to do because it's wands with your creative endeavor so maybe you're artful and maybe you also like to perform so maybe you like to draw things and then you also like to sing so you're putting it together whatever it is or maybe you like to take pictures and you also like to paint so you're taking these really nice pictures and you're painting them um whatever it is so that's kind of what that represents to me with the four and if we go to the other fours I like what you said about the cup because what I was thinking when you said that was it's like this person already has these other – think about what cups kind of represent, like emotions and feelings. They have these other three set, and they know what they're doing. And so this fourth one is this new emotion or feeling, or it could be a person, you know, the way they, a person they have feelings for coming into their life. And now they have to figure out where to put them or how to – 
how to work with it. So if it's an emotion, they have to figure out how to deal with it. Instead of repressing it, you know, this clouds are bringing it to you. This guy could take it and he could throw it behind him and you won't see it. That's kind of like repressing it. But instead, he's putting it on display. He's thinking of where he's going to place it. Is he going to put it on top, in front of him, to the side? And he's going to express that emotion and deal with it instead of repressing it. And then if we go to the swords... Um, this to me, because especially because we were just talking about swords and the king of swords, if you have some ideas, so the three swords here could be these, this idea or these different ideas that you had that you put together, and then you have this fourth sword that really gives you the foundation. So you're resting upon it, and then the other swords, your ideas above you, and you're building upon them. So it's also that same kind of achievement. So. Whatever it is, um, he had an idea. Maybe it was an idea to start a new podcast. And <laughs> is, this is just you laying down the foundation for it and what you have to do. Do you know what I was? Um, I also then just observed as you pointed it out. So with the four of wands, you're like they're outside the castle walls, and I guess I just didn't even make that connection. But then out of all four of the the cards that we're looking at, the only one that is actually inside of walls is the four of swords. Everything else is outside, you know, outside of a city, outside of civilization. The only one that kind of succumbs to that idea is the the four of swords because it's in this tomb or it's in this church. And it's kind of like just relating back to the idea of the four of swords for me kind of, okay, yes, it could be decision-making, but maybe a little bit more logical and kind of subscribing to more ideals of of people versus the creativity or living outside of the the expectations of society yeah and also could say that you need to or it could be showing us that you need to control it a little more you need or you need to shelter more your logic you need to rely mm-hmm. upon it and um keep it safe So I do want to just jump back into the number four for a second, just to talk about exactly what is a number four um, and how does that relate maybe to the cards? So we did already talk about this, but I think it's important to kind of go back and see um, how the number four then is displayed in these. So the number four, um, I'm just going to give a brief overview is um, it's a creative person. There is creativity there, but it's not kind of the uncontrolled creativity of a number three. It's a little bit more rooted in a solid foundation or solid footing, um, which I feel like you definitely see in in all of the cards. And, um, you know, if you had to describe this person, they'd be hardworking, dependable, persistent, productive. And I don't know if I necessarily see that in the four of of cups. Or, you know, the four of wands looks like more celebratory. Um, But again, there's still that creativity there. So if I'm looking at the archway or whatever the the four wands are creating, it's like there is creativity and it is rooted in a solid foundation because they have to stand up, right? They have to be secure there. You don't want them falling over. Um, And I think that when you're thinking about four, they have this like strength. I also think that if I'm thinking about like a triangular prism, um, like a pyramid, right? The four sides help create this very, very strong shape. And I think uh, that's all I had to say about the number four. All right. Is there anything else you would like to say about these cards? 
Um, no, I think that, you know, I feel like as we progress through, um, for me, you know, my observation thus far has been the number one or the aces had such a similar through point in terms of themes and imagery. And I feel like maybe we'll see that in one and in 10 and then everything else maybe is a little bit harder to make, to weave like that, that line through and and make those connections. And maybe that's purposeful, but I guess we'll see as we go through these. Yeah. I mean, every one is a 10, every 10 is a one if you think of numerology. So Uh exactly, exactly. And I'm just thinking like it's the beginning and the end, right. Of a specific cycle or, or series of events or something like that. And so maybe that's, and then maybe, you know, it's the idea of there's a beginning to an end, but everyone's journey is different. I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping at straws. No, that's great. It's just like the Dharma. Um, and they also say that it's better to succeed in your own. I'm sorry. It's better to fail in your own Dharma than to succeed in someone else's. Which basically means it's better to fail on your own path and learn from that than to go off of your path and you see someone else's path and you try to imitate that and you try to do what they're doing. And you want to be that and, and you're still successful, but overall uh-huh. you're not because you're not following your path. You're not here. You're, that's just going to cause anxiety for you because it's your true self. The anxiety is your true self telling you you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, this is what right. Absolutely. So, all right, everybody. Great episode. A lot of, uh, a lot of opinions are in there in the beginning, but you know, <laughs> we're just all, we're just really concerned with freedom here at the, uh, terrible podcast guys. We're, we're both, <laughs> I think it's just because we're both such big fans of history and not just yes. a little bit of history you learn in school, but like the real history. Because remember, guys, they say history is written by the winners and ostensibly this country has been winning for 200 years. So it's good to actually look and read some accounts and some stories of both sides of conflicts, especially the Civil War. That one was. A, <laughs> and I think what's, right. what's important to, to just recognize is it's just different perspectives. You don't have to agree with us. Or you can disagree with us, but I think sometimes if you if you hear of a different perspective or a different opinion or a different insight, it kind of can open up your mind, right? To giving to, to maybe thinking outside the box. For sure. Alright everybody, well thank you for listening to this week's terrible podcast. Next week, what are we gonna be talking about, Ashley? We'll be talking about the Queen of Swords and then we'll be talking about the number five. So high five. High five. <laughs> All right, everybody, go to Terrible.com and click on our Amazon link and do all your Christmas shopping. That's right. The holidays are here. It's going to be Thanksgiving and then Black Friday. So if you want to do Amazon shopping, go to ComedyLOL.com. Click on our Amazon link, and then we get a piece of that. and doesn't cost you any extra. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Comedy, LOL, Podcast Network.